Welcome to Couch Time. I am your host, Susie, a licensed marriage and family therapist, joined by my co-host, Janet, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you for joining our show where we dive into topics like mental health and relationship wellness, along with sharing our experiences and lessons learned on our road to licensure and building a private practice. You can connect with us at roadtowellness.co and susiehologian.com, where you can also find show notes for this episode. Welcome to Couch Time Podcast. My name is Janet Byramian, and I'm co-joined by my colleague, Susie Halagian. Hello, everyone. And today, this episode is for all our therapists, all our future therapists, prospective therapists, if you want to join the field, if you're thinking about joining the field, we're going to be talking about how to survive grad school and some of the things that looking back, we would have done maybe a little bit differently Mm -hmm. um, before entering this world of psychotherapy. For sure. This is one of those things that I feel like you don't get clarity on until you're out of it. And when you're doing it, you're like, oh, this feels, you know, this feels normal. And everyone that I'm talking to is experiencing similar things that I'm feeling. And then you get out of it and you're like, what did I get out of grad school? (laughs) Where am I right now? Like, what am I doing with my career life? Oh my God. I had those conversations with myself often. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having it this week. (laughs) And honestly, looking back, What I'll say is it's not all doom and gloom. Like I'm sure when I think about my time in grad school, there are things that I did do well, and I'm glad that I made certain choices that I made. However, looking back as well, I wish that I had more so thought about certain things that I would have done differently. So we'll definitely dive and jump into that as well. For sure. I think, you know, we've been talking about this at at length and I think naturally this is something you talk about as you're going through the big milestones in your journey to becoming licensed as a therapist. I've definitely found that there are some big things that I would have done differently, but there are definitely things that I'm, I think I'm happy with the way that they landed. But for me personally, I think I would have done a different degree And by that, I don't mean that I wouldn't have gotten, you know, a master's in marriage and family therapy with clinical psych, but I would have done a dual degree. And Janet, we've talked about this. And I think I would have done a dual degree with a doctorate. And it's something that like now, if I think about wanting to do, I almost shy away from it because I'm like, oh my goodness, would I be able to dedicate the next four, five, six years of my life to getting a doctorate? Would I be able to do that while having a private practice? It's almost like (laughs) when you're younger or when you're like fresh out of school, going into grad school, you're like, oh, I could do this. This is nothing, you know, like I'm on a roll and now it's dreadful. I've toyed around with the idea of getting a doctorate, like a PhD or a PsyD or something. But I think about all the money to spend again on grad school. I think about all the time. I think about having to do all the research, writing a dissertation, defending my dissertation. I don't know if I want to do that again. (laughs) I feel you. I don't know if I would have the energy to do that. Kudos to everyone that worked so hard to get their 
doctorate degrees is not an easy feat whatsoever. But I agree with you when I went to school. So I got my MSW master's in social work and the program that I did, they have the option of doing the dual degree, getting an MSW and and also an MPH, which stands for master's in public health administration. So it was interesting because you got to learn social work, you got to learn how to, you know, understand like the health industry. And at the time, I didn't really find it that interesting. So I didn't go that route. But if I think about it, from what I recall, it only would have required me to stay in the program for another year. Mm. And I would have gotten both degrees. And I'm like thinking to myself, why didn't I do that? I could have been more letters behind my name. I know. (laughs) And not to say like we're chasing the letters because believe me, I would love a few dozen letters behind my name, (laughs) but it does feel almost like a little bit of a waste, you know, to look at the timeline of, I would only have to add added a year or two at max, as opposed to if you were to start a whole new degree right now, like you said, with the whole process of getting a doctorate, whether it's a PhD or a PsyD, it's so crazy to look at. See, if it were me, what I would have done if my program offered this, I would have done it in a heartbeat. If they had the option where you could get your MSW degree and an MBA business administration, I would have totally done that because one of the things that I wish that I would have done more in grad school is taken more business classes. I feel like our program didn't really have a lot of emphasis on business. So my brain doesn't fully work that way anyway. So it would have been nice to have more education on it. And so for me, that's one of my, I guess, if you want to call it a regret, a regret because we are required as therapists to know about business because at least if we want to start our own private practice, we are considered small business owners. And so to not have as much preparation on that now in the field, it's sort of like trial and error or asking questions or finding different coaching programs that teach you how to start your private practice versus kind of gotten that education earlier. So that's one of the things that I would have done differently is if I had the opportunity, I probably would have sought an MBA as well at the time. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that you don't really think about when you're in grad school because no one talks about it. And I think that's why it's a big, important second point for us of finding that business savviness, or even, you know, if you are in a grad school program right now on your therapy track to talk about it with advisors and supervisors and see if they have any aid there, because Janet, like you said, you become a small business owner and you don't get the information on how to approach it. If schools were really wanting to create therapists that were ready to step out into the field, they would absolutely start braiding business-related courses in the field of therapy to their students. And I mean, granted, my school tried a little bit. They had a class that was, I think it was called building a private practice. I still feel like I didn't get anything out of it. You know, we talked about a business plan, talked about like what you might want to look like as a therapist. But I think that's something that everyone thinks about anyway when they're in school. Mm -hmm. But no one ever taught us, do you need a business license? Do you need to incorporate your business? You know, do you need a specific financial advisor that is well-versed in the therapy field? How do you set up a private practice? How do you get clients? And all of these things feel like they you graduate, you get thrown into the field, and then you're just expected to swim. And I feel like that's one of those things where as a graduate program, you should really 
help your students learn those things of, do I need a business license? Do I need to incorporate my business? Do I get a financial advisor? One that understands the therapy field. I really wish that schools would think about these things and offer it to their students because, you know, essentially the goal of a therapy program in grad school is to prepare you to succeed in the field. And I firmly believe that without that business savviness and that business aspect to being a therapist, whether in private practice or an agency, if you don't have those answers, then it's hard to be successful. I agree. And that actually reminds me, aside from me pursuing an MBA, one of the other things that I wish I had done more in grad school in my MSW program was to not just take clinical courses. So at the time, I knew that I wanted to go the clinical route. I at the time knew that I wanted to be a therapist. I knew that I wanted to eventually have my private practice someday. And so the majority of elective classes that I took was all the core clinical courses. So for example, human sexuality, domestic violence, substance abuse, all those additional courses when thinking about it now, I could have done that later. There are so many continuing education programs that offer those courses that I could have done that after grad school. And I remember in my program, they had classes geared towards like non-traditional social work and more information on social work and business administration or how to offer clinical services as a social worker in Spanish. Like they had classes like that. It was so versatile from what I remember. And so I wish that I wasn't so at the time hyper-focused on what I wanted to do versus at least letting myself branch out and take classes that I wouldn't have taken, I think, anywhere else and expanded my view of what social work looked like because there's so many things that you can do, at least in my field with the MSW degree. And so I wish that I had expanded on that. And so my encouragement to anyone applying to grad school or in grad school is take a look at some of the courses that are offered and see if you can find classes that maybe you wouldn't normally take, but it can still teach you quite a lot of things about your field and being a therapist and and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, I'm sure there are people listening thinking, well, can't you do continuing education for that? And I think, Janet, like you said, those unique non-traditional forms of classes, see, like my school didn't offer those. So it really did feel like a unique opportunity that you had presented to you. Whereas core classes or, you know, specialty and theory specific classes that you might want to do, you can always find those, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of school and do continuing education courses for those. So that's a really great tip. If you find these unique outside the box kind of classes that your school offers and you're able to take electives, really branch out into those because you'll always get opportunities to learn risk assessment or human sexuality or all these other courses that works. We have to know anyway, you know, they're licensure requirements. So you're always going to be finding people who offer trainings for them. But for the ones that do sound more cool, unique, and a little bit more modernized, you know, that would be a really great opportunity to take hold of. Totally agree. I mean, I look back, I went to a program in LA. So LA has a really high bilingual community, a lot of Spanish speakers, a lot of immigrants. And so I thought to myself, wow, that is such an amazing course to have because even native Spanish speakers have told me that they don't know how to say certain things, you know, in clinical language. Um, So to have a course like that, that's incredibly helpful. So kudos to the program. And 
What I'll say as well, in terms of trying those classes, know what your program requires and what your program doesn't require. So, I mean, I'm not saying like take all these like off-cuff courses and then screw yourself and not graduate on time. Certainly not saying that, but it's possible to have a balance of both. Absolutely. My program personally, so I also got my graduate degree in LA and I had a lockstep program, which in their terms was, it was a predetermined set of courses. It was a fast-tracked program and you didn't really have any wiggle room. Actually, you didn't have any wiggle room. I didn't have any elective courses. I had all the requirement courses that I needed. And then it was like, all right, you're done. Bye. And I, I did enjoy that. I enjoyed that I got to just have a structured system and it was quick, easy, in and out, but I might have done it differently. You know, knowing what I know now, looking at the prices of trainings outside of school, you know, they can range from, if you want like ones that are a few days long to a week long, they could range from $500 to $1,000 for a training. And that might only be like one portion or one phase of your training. I might have looked into a program that allowed me to take elective classes that would have allowed me to incorporate them into my educational system instead of having to do it outside of school. And I would say the other piece looking back, so let's talk about money. I went to a private school in LA. So the program left me six figures in debt with the program and I have mixed feelings about it. I also wish I had done a little bit more research on this because at the time I graduated in 2016 and at the time as an associate social worker, we were lucky to get a job where the let's say the median annual salary was anywhere from 40,000 to 50,000 per year and if you think about it in LA that is not a lot of money so Looking back, I wish I had gone to a school that was a little bit more affordable, perhaps even like a state school where the debt wasn't as high to go to the program because I'm now out of the program five years later and I'm still dealing with my debt, you know, with grad school. So it would be different if let's say, for example, our median coming out salary would be six figures. You know what I mean? Like it would be a little bit different, but we're not our attorney counterparts. We're also not in terms of salary, the doc, our doctor counterpart. We have an incredible responsibility at our job, but unfortunately, oftentimes the pay doesn't reflect that. Looking back, I may have considered an option for a program where the pay to go to school wouldn't have been as crazy in terms of cost in relation to what we would get paid after. I feel that. And it's hard to say this, but I think most of the programs that offer you core psychology, therapy, counseling related courses are kind of the same. And of course, there's differences in like the esteem of the university you go to or the the professors that are offered. But unless you're going into a university that works under a specific umbrella within psychology or works within a specific orientation or specialty, you're pretty much getting the same education because they have to follow California's licensing requirements. It feels nice to be able to say like, oh, I went to this nice, you know, private prestigious university to get my master's degree. But like you said, like if you can almost get the same exact education for a lower price, 
based on what you, what you know you're going to be getting out of it, or if you're going to go to a specific university that offers, you know, very specialized education, then it might not be worth it. Well, and that's what I would encourage everyone to consider because prior to going to the program, ask yourself if that cost to go to the program is feasible for you and consider, you know, what type of job you may look into after your program. Are you going to start private practice right away? Are you going to work for an agency right away? With an agency, there's a little bit more of an opportunity for a salary, whereas with private practice, you're building up your salary and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage everyone to consider finances. And I know that going to a prestigious university is a luxury because of just how expensive it can be. And so I wish I had done a little bit more foresight. And yes, I was really excited in the here and now, but I wish I had thought, okay, yeah. But two years down the line, when I'm done with the program, how am I going to pay all this back? I don't know that I had that conversation with myself. I would even venture out to say, like, think about it while you are in the program too. So I have a few clients who are currently on their road to licensure as well. And sometimes one of the things that you don't consider or might not know if you haven't done the research before stepping into our field is more often than not, while you're in school, you're going to have to be doing practicum clinical hours. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, what if you're a trainee while you're in school getting those hours, you don't get paid. And mm -hmm. there are hour requirements and it does eat up a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. So you might also find yourself in a position where you can't have another job on the side or eats up so much of your time that it's hard to balance two jobs plus being a student. So also consider how finances preparing and saving if that does happen comes into play. So mm -hmm. a lot of people might also want to think of, am I going to be able to save before stepping into my program, knowing that possibly for a year, I might have to work without being compensated for that work. An important consideration to consider. And I wish that would change in our field. Why yes. are we working for free? No. And even when you become an associate and you're, you know, licensed as a registered associate after graduation, the pay is so unfair. And Janet, you know, we've talked about this at length, but it's ridiculous to consider a master's level graduate being paid nowhere near what any other field deems appropriate for their graduates. And also nowhere near livable for where they're located, which right. Right. is Los Angeles. Well, and it's weird too, right? Like when we think of Los Angeles, we think of it as almost like the therapy capital of America, right? So everyone is so supposed to be destigmatized to mental health and they value it and, and there's such a high need for it, even though there's also, you know, a very big supply of therapists. It makes me worried that if in LA it's difficult to value the therapists when there are so there's such a high, you know, demand for therapy here and it doesn't even match up a livable wage, then is it like this everywhere else too? I wonder that as well. I mean, being in Florida, at least where I'm located, there are agencies that I looked into as well when I was on my way moving here. And at the time when I was looking, I was licensed. I got I'd just gotten licensed and the pay was also subpar in my opinion. However, what I'll say is the cost of living is quite different right. a little bit here. I'm not in a big city, like let's say Miami, which is very similar to LA in terms of cost of living, but in a more suburban city, it's a little bit different, but nonetheless, have that conversation with yourself about 
finances, what that's going to look like. Look up the median salary, you know, when you're projected to graduate and see if that's feasible for you in terms of paying paying this back or potentially working at a lower rate for the first couple of years when you become an associate. Yeah. Again, the common thread here, research into any imaginable aspect of your licensure journey that you can, because you won't get stuck if you feel like you need to change any part of your journey, but it does make it easier to know what you're stepping into. Yeah. And and one of the other things I would encourage people to do, this is again, in line with researching. And this is something that I did do before my program. So I'm glad that I did that, but You know how in college you had certain classes and some professors were just wonderful and then other professors were just incredibly monotone and it made the class feel so long and miserable? (laughs) What? No. No. Everyone I had was perfect and super bubbly. Well, that can happen in grad school too. So (laughs) one of the things that I would encourage is please research the different professors in your grad program. As a MSW, as a social worker, it's a requirement for us to take classes about policy and policy implementation. I had to do it both years as a student. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, my field of interest. It wasn't necessarily why I was becoming a social worker, but I had to take it. And luckily I did do my research beforehand and I found one of the top rated professors that teach policy and I took his course and he made it incredibly dynamic and very interesting and just broke things down in a very real world way to explain it in layman's terms to me as someone who's never done any kind of policy work. And I found it to be incredibly helpful. That can actually make or break a program or that can even Absolutely. make or break a class. I, I, I was thinking to myself, had I been you know, in a classroom where with policy, you know, the professor wasn't dynamic like that. I don't know that I would have learned anything. And I don't know that I would have appreciated that aspect of social work, because even though I don't directly handle policy implementation, I make it a point where if I disagree with legislation, I do write to my senators. And I don't know that I would have done that or felt empowered to do that had I not taken that course. So my encouragement, again, is research. Please look into who are the dynamic professors in your program if you have a choice as to who you can choose and go with that. So, you know, I won't go too deep into it, but I had the opposite experience in a few of my classes and not to like go on a witch hunt about it, but I did step out of some classes and this was a common feeling throughout my classmates that we didn't get anything out of certain classes because there were, you know, little scandals or disagreements or just stubbornness that I think like really fed into the culture of a class when you are in such a small cohort. And it almost did feel like, like you said, you know, that I didn't end up valuing what I learned because I felt like I walked out not learning anything. And Mm -hmm. a couple of those classes were very core, important classes that you need as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And it felt unfortunate that like a grad school program didn't really offer the proper education for that. So that's a really great point. And if you do have access to researching the background of the professors offered to really do that. Janet, that reminds me, you've mentioned something before that I think is a great piece of advice. 
you said, well, you, before you stepped into your program, you reached out to alumni who had finished the program, almost did like an interview with them to see their thoughts and how their experience was. Is that something that you would still suggest? Totally. I would totally suggest it can, you know, maybe find people on LinkedIn or ask around on your social media, you know, on Facebook or something. I did that. And that person actually helped me because she even told me like the great professors to take. And she talked to me about, you know, the different tracks that you can take in the program and what was great about the program, what was not so great about the program. And so I truly am so grateful that I was able to do that because I felt like going in, I felt that much more prepared I love that piece of advice. I really wish it was something that I would have thought of before, but I think it's such a great piece to pass on to future people going into any field. You know, you might be listening to this podcast and aren't going into therapy, but that is a great resource tool to utilize. I did what others typically do. You know, I went to all these different grad programs and open houses, but you know, it's, it's more sugarcoated. They're not going to tell you what the challenging aspects of the program are. So try to talk to an alumni because I think alumni will keep it real with you. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it. If I were in one of those interviews, God, I would air all the (laughs) dirty laundry, but you're, you're absolutely right. And having that one-on-one connection gives you that opportunity to dive into those questions that will never ever get covered in an open house or a brochure, or even talking with what are they educational advisors from the school. So that's our insight. I'm so glad we had this conversation. We want to hear from you though. What other tips do you guys feel like are survival tips for grad school? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to hear about some other topics that you all are interested in. So feel free to comment on our Instagrams. You're welcome to comment on this. My Instagram is therapy with Janet B. And mine is at sessions with Susie. And we'd love to hear from everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Couch Time. You can find show notes for this episode linked in the description, along with all our references and resources mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next one. We will chat again soon. Bye.